What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mike Janella Show. I'm your host, Mike, obviously. It is my 54th podcast episode. Hopefully won't be my last. And this week, he was born a rambling man. My uh, ex-boss, still very much a good friend. And now, going to all 48 contiguous U.S. states on a nonstop road trip. I had to check in with him to see how it's going, to learn about this amazing trip and what we can take from it, and about the country, what's going on out there right now. Welcome to the show, Scott Knowlton. Hey, man. How's it going? Long-time listener, first-time caller. Oh, love it. Actually, I called you, so we got to keep the semantics right, right, but I appreciate what you did there. I love your journalism integrity. Got to keep everything. No fake news coming on the Mike Janela podcast. I'm a graduate of Syracuse's SI Newhouse School of Public Communication. We expect nothing but the best out of our alums. Um, No, man, this is awesome. So like I said, you are right now in the middle of a trip. You jumped in your Jeep from up here uh, in New York. You're in, where are you right now? I'm in Olympia, Washington, the capital city of Washington State. So you and I are almost literally as far apart as possible while still in uh, the lower 48 of America. So this is good. I like this. But we're going to talk about your trip and some of your crazy stories and experiences and tips that you have for anyone that may try and do any cross-country stuff as well. Uh, So I want to pick your brain on that. But first, I start the show like I do the same every week with everybody by asking you, Scott, what's the best thing to happen to you this past week? This past week, uh, let's see. Wow, I'm going to like insult so many people because on this trip I get to see so many uh, long-lost friends. Uh, I'll go with the thing that happened most recently, which is I ended up randomly. I was in Portland to see a friend uh, who also used to work at Zazoom uh, with us, but I think you missed him. His name's Andrew. Uh, so I got to see him. He's now a reporter in Portland. Uh, and as I posted the picture of him and I, uh, pretty much like the first girl I kissed freshman year of high school, uh, like, <laughs> where is this going? Messaged me. Right. She Facebook messaged me. She's like never on Facebook. And, uh, she was just like, are you in Portland? I'm like, yeah, are you in Portland? And she's like, yeah, I live here now. And I ended up getting to like see her. We had a great time, went to like a happy hour and just shot the shit. You know, I haven't, I literally have not talked to her in over 20 years. Did all so the puppy really... love start coming back from back in the high school <laughs> yeah. days? I, th- I think it, I think it was uh, definitely, you know, friends, but we, we felt right back into our old routine of like uh, just being able to bullshit about anything, you know? I was going to say, for me, because you're a little bit older than me, so for me, I would have had, like, Mariah Carey always be my baby playing in the background of this little montage to get together. What song would be playing for you and her when you guys got together oh, at this happy hour? I mean, man, we we dated for, like, a month and a half. Like, it was like a, a long 14, time in freshman, high school. <laughs> it was like a freshman. We were talking about that, too. Like, what, what defines, like, a relationship back then? I'm like, I think I held her hand as we walked to class. and like Might as well have been married. You know, like... Yeah, exactly. Like, I think we kissed all of one time, and it was, like, really awkward for 15 minutes. So it's like, you know, I I don't know. Back then, uh, let's see, I think our freshman dance song was, like, Lady in Red or something like that by Chris the Bird. I'm old. Lady in Red. Oh, so good. (laughs) 
Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, enough about your, your romantic exploits of your teenage years. Let's get to the <laughs> stuff I wanted to chat with you about. And uh, you and I, I mean, we can talk, we could have a whole separate like series of podcasts based on your career and your producing and all the celebrities you've met and the projects you've worked on. But maybe we'll do that for when you come back on a later episode. I always know I can, I can go to you if I need some content. But I want to talk about this trip. So I mentioned, you know, 48 states you're trying to hit. What route are you taking? How are you doing this? How'd you decide on what you ended up doing? Or is it very much up in the air? You just hit the road out of New York and say, hey, I'm going to figure it out as I go. Actually, the real impetus for this was uh, I, it came from doing a story at Zazoom. Yeah, for those uh, who don't know, years. Scott and I uh, used to work together at this place called Zazoo Media Group, which is a digital uh, video production house in Manhattan. And so that's how we came across paths together. And so take it away, Scott, back to you. Yeah, sorry about that. I should have clarified. Um, but that's why you're the host and I'm the guest. So basically it came from a story that uh, uh, we ended up doing at CMG like three years ago. Uh, and it was of this Michigan – a University of Michigan professor had put out, and it ended up on BuzzFeed, it ended up on like everything, HuffPo, uh, put out this map of the most efficient way to visit all 48 contiguous states and see a national landmark in each state. I've seen and, that. Yeah, that was shared on my Facebook timeline by a lot of people. Yep. Yeah, it was like a hugely popular yeah. like thing, and like everybody talked about it. And as I'm like I don't, I don't think I did. Someone else did the story, and I'm watching their video, and I'm like, oh man, like this is like a dream of mine. <laughs> like I've always wanted to do that. That would be so cool. And then immediately I'm like, well, I've got this job, and at the time I had a girl, and like all this other stuff. So like all these commitments would prevent me from doing that, you know. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, didn't have that job anymore. Was doing more freelance work, so I had flexibility. Didn't have the girl anymore, so I had a lot more flexibility. And uh, I was like, you know what? This is something I've always wanted to do, that I can do the other stuff, the, the work and everything else from the road, so screw it. And I just packed up my New York City apartment, put everything in storage, put the clo- like about two weeks' worth of clothes and a cooler full of water into my car and uh, drove away. Man, so many people always talk about that, and it's all bullshit. Oh, I'm going to pack up and just go one of these days you actually did it so props man good for you yeah thanks i should also say that some of it too was uh i I was about to turn 40 and it's one of those things where you're like you know you think am i gonna do stuff on my bucket list before i actually you know what the bucket list is about kick the bucket (laughs) and so you you start to feel like your age when you feel that big 4-0 coming up on you you're like what have i done and as you alluded to, and I thank you for the kindness, uh, I've done some pretty cool stuff in my career, but there's always been like these life things that I wanted to do. And traveling this country was one of them. And I was like, screw it, man. There's nothing holding me back, so I should just go do this. So, so, you, so you already had the blueprint, this guy's like list. Did you, are you kind of following it verbatim, or are you putting in some Scott Spice on the side as well? Yeah, that's a great question because that's that's truly what happened. I don't call it Scott Spice, but that's you what should. I'm doing. Trademark it. Yeah, I, yeah I'll, I'll start that today. Uh, no, yeah, I visit. I I have been diverging a little bit. Uh, my brother actually gave me the best advice ever before taking this trip. 
which was where condoms. No, I'm just kidding. It was. Uh, <laughs> if that if that advice they, took you this long to get, I I fear for your personal life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it was uh, say yes to everything, and that's literally what I've been doing. Uh, I was in uh, what was it, New Orleans, and I was only supposed to be there for uh, two days. I ended up there for four days, and because again, other friends like hit me up on Facebook and we're like, Oh my God, you're in New Orleans. Do you know I live here now? And like, so I got to see them. And then one friend in particular, we went out to dinner and her and her boyfriend were like, Hey, it's great to see you. Glad we got together to do some dinner. Uh, we have to go to a concert after this though. So, you know, it was nice seeing you. And then she said, wow, you know what? There's probably still tickets to this concert. Do you want to see if you can get one and go? And I was like, sure. Cause I say yes to everything got to the venue and it was uh brian wilson performing the 50th anniversary of pet sounds oh amazing which was like and it was at the sanger which is like this really legendary theater in new orleans and it was like this is amazing so pretty much just by saying yes to everything i've ended up in all these extra cool places and you know making little side trips to make sure that i see people uh, that I know I haven't seen in like a decade or so because of just distance uh, has also made it pretty cool. So the map is de- is definitely just a uh, launching point. And then I've been kind of doing my own thing wrapped up inside of that. So how much planning went into this? Because I know a lot of people that always say, oh, I want to do a cross-country trip or I want to do the 48 states or they shared that exact article that you said was the inspiration for this trip of yours and you know they're tagging their friends, next summer, let's do it. Um, right. But then you know they realize how daunting it is to actually get this underway. So how much planning did it take you? How, what was the time frame between, you know what, I'm going to do this and actually – putting the car in drive and doing it. And what, what did all that entail in between actually getting ready to do this? So I'm going to say something kind of shocking here. It doesn't take any planning at all. Like you think it does. It really doesn't. And if you plan too much, you're going to screw up your schedule. So if I had planned too much, I wouldn't have been able to spend those extra two days in new Orleans because I would have had reservations already in, you know, Mississippi. I would have like, I wouldn't have been able to, uh, just say, oh, hey, there's more friends here. I want to see them, or I want to go to a concert tonight, or, oh, there's another landmark someone told me I should go check out. So I did absolutely no planning in the sense of when am I going to do this, when am I going to do that, with the exception of two things. Uh, I purposefully went, started by going south. So technically I launched from New Jersey, and I will circle back to New York, since that's where I'm from, uh, so that it becomes a full circle. And I went New Jersey, like straight down to Florida because I left March 1st and I didn't want to deal with the Northern part of the country at the end of March, beginning of April. Cause I would have freeze my ass off. Makes sense. Uh, so that, yeah, that was a conscious planning thing. Like, remember weather is weather and it's going to change depending on the seasons, at least until we all explode from global warming. Uh, the, second thing I did, and this is the only thing that you really do need to plan and figure out is, uh, money. And without going into like, you know, huge details of my own finances, you need to basically, however long you're going to do like a trip like this is costly. Uh, but it can be done somewhat on a budget. If you just 
look for certain things like don't be afraid to, you know, get a room from an Airbnb or something like that. Or uh, if you're campers, bring camping gear. Just remember that you're now adding time to your trip because if you do camping, you're not going to be in a town or possibly near your friends. You're going to be on the outskirts or near a park or in the woods. Uh, so that changes things in terms of travel time. So I haven't been doing the camping. I've been doing some Airbnb. Uh, from this trip, I've become a Diamond Hilton member because of all the times I've stayed at a Hilton, uh, which has its perks. So little things like that end up like balancing out. You know what I mean? So to put a ballpark on it, we don't have to get into your specific finances, but if you, if someone were to come to you and say, hey, I want to do this trip, and you're doing it a lot longer because you are visiting people and you just decided that I want to do this as kind of a life event. But if someone's doing it for, say, a month, how much money would you suggest or recommend ballpark? Hey, make sure you have this much squirreled away before you hit the road. Uh, and they're going to be doing it the way that I've been doing it, like staying at hotels and not camping and that kind of thing? Uh, maybe go like a, in, in the middle. So not just straight camping or sleeping in your car, but not Mr. Diamond Hilton like yourself either. Like staying in Motel right. 6s or Airbnbs, that kind of thing. Okay, and then not driving a Jeep, driving preferably a hybrid so they get more miles. Yeah, or like a Toyota Corolla, <laughs> like your basic sedan. Right, right. I'm asking for too many specifics. Uh, I would say it'll range you probably between 10 and 15 grand. It's a lot of cheddar. Yeah, I mean, but it's also like the way I looked at it was, uh, you know, you do the math for some things and – you know, I'm going to be on the road for four months right away I, because I gave up my apartment in New York. That's five grand right there that I'm not spending in New York. So you start to realize, like, as you take things away, like, so that's just five grand was just the, the ridiculous I was paying for and utilities I was paying for and everything else. Now you're up closer to about like, you know, seven and a half, eight grand. Well, now you're halfway to the money that you need to go on this trip. So it, you got to think of it as, you know, one kind of washes out the other. Well, if, if the you're going to be able to give your apartment up. So this, if this is someone who wants to keep their apartment and just not live there for four months, that's a very different story. That's a very different story. And it's much more costly. Yeah. All right. So your biggest advice would be if you're going to do this trip – Leave your apartment, break your lease before you hit the road, because that's going to basically pay for half your trip, potentially. Right, unless you're going to do – if you're just doing a month and you're like, all right, I, I know that I'm going to do a month and you're going to zip through everything, I don't know how you do this trip in a month, but it's possible. Yeah. Uh, but you're – I mean, you've got to speed – you can't stop and, like, smell the roses, you know? I mean, I've, I've been enjoying this trip. I've taken my time. I'm not, like, rushing to get I, – I ended up being in L.A. for two weeks. Uh, so it, because I had so many friends there and so many things to do. Uh, so it's really not a matter of, Hey, I'm gonna, you know, zip through this area. If you're going to do a trip like this, uh, I would say dedicate the time and invest the money. If you're going to do it my way, if you want to just like, Hey, I want to say that I could see, I've been to all the, all 48 States, then you can zip through, man. You can do the whole thing in like, what, three and a half weeks. And in that case, don't give up your apartment. 
Right. Because, like, I recently did, I didn't do, like, you going all 48 states, but I did a cross-country. I came back from San Diego. I went literally ocean to ocean. I put a foot in each one just because I was so poetic and, and all that about it. And it took me two weeks. And that was just basically on a straight diagonal line. And some people were telling me that I was taking too long. But I was like, no, but I want to I wanna chill. I want to go to events. I want to go to sporting arenas that I hadn't been to and stuff like that. And I still felt like I was rushing through. There were some nights where... All right, I'm in Evanston, Illinois. I just pulled in. I fell asleep. I wake up. I'm right back on the road. I wasn't – not that there's anything to do in Evanston, Illinois, but other places I could have stopped and stayed a couple days, and I didn't. So I think that's – if you're going to do this, you've got to decide what you want out of the trip because, yeah, doing it for one month versus doing it for five or six and giving up your, your living situation back home, very different things. Yeah. So you're out there now. And I've been following you, obviously, on social media as you're putting stuff out there. You've had some, some interesting experiences, uh, let's say. And the, <laughs> the one that comes to mind right away for me is uh, your near-death experience, literally, at the Grand Canyon. Run us through that story for anyone who's not familiar and, and the perils. You think it's 2017, it's safe to travel all across the country, America, it's as first world as it gets, but it's still dangerous out there, and you know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the moral of this story before I tell it is don't be an idiot like Scott. Um, I have been hiking for over two decades, uh, you know, camping and everything else is like one of the first things my dad taught my brother and I was how to, you know, kind of live in the wilderness and survive. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty veteran and I made all rookie mistakes when I went on this hike in the Grand Canyon. Uh, Basically, I decided I wanted to see the Havasu Falls. It's considered one of the top 25 most beautiful things to see in the U.S. Uh, so I really wanted to see it. Uh, the Havasu Falls actually falls in a section of the Grand Canyon. So the Grand Canyon is a national park, but pieces of it are uh, in, inside of Indian reservations. And so this p- portion of the trail and of the Grand Canyon for the Havasu Falls is in the Havasu Reservation run by the Havasu Indians. Uh, The reason that that's important is because the Indians do not care about you. Uh, And I, I know that sounds like I'm being mean as the story progresses. You'll see that it is true. Uh, They figure you're coming in on their land and yes, you're a tourist and you've got to pay to visit. So they'll take your money, but they, they don't really like care about your well being or anything. Uh, Basically, it's you start at above 6,000 feet elevation and you're going to below 1,000 feet elevation because you're literally walking all the way down to the bottom of the canyon, which is what I did. Uh, when I looked it up online, it said that it was an eight-mile uh, hike to the falls, um, which – or I think it said to the Havasu, and I assumed that that was the falls. It turns out that that was the village. So I'm thinking I'm only going to hike 16 miles, and I – like worked out exactly the timing of that and how much daylight would be left and everything else. Turns out that was to get to the village. And then the actual falls were two miles farther down the road. So what ended up supposed to be a 16 mile hike ended up being a 20 mile hike. Uh, and those four miles really kind of screwed me up because of timing of daylight and everything else. Uh, so I walked all the way down. I went to the falls. I stopped in the village and like loaded up on more water. Cause of course you've got to stay hydrated for a thing like that. Uh, and the temperatures, you know, the temperature drop was like, our increase was 30 degrees. 
uh, between the top of the canyon and the bottom. So then I started to hike back. And I got to mile 19. I could see the ledge, the ridge that I needed to get to where my car was parked, uh, which was a mile away, but it was a mile straight up. Like that last mile, you're just doing what are called switchbacks of trail trying to get to the top. And it's, a, it's an incredible climb. Uh, and my legs gave out, my lungs gave out, and I just went straight to the ground. Uh, and then I started looking around and noticed that, yeah, this sun is going down quickly. Uh, and so I started screaming for help. And I screamed for help for about 45 minutes before someone responded. Uh, and it was someone at the top of the ridge saying that, you know, it was one of the Havasu. Uh, and they said, are you dying? And I said, and this is all being done by screaming, by the way, because they're a mile away from me at the top of this ridge. I'm like, I'm not dying, but I can't move. And they're like, all right, we'll send someone down. So I'm thinking they're going to send someone down with a horse or a donkey to like help me get to the top. No, they sent down this 16 year old boy, uh, who basically just sat there and like talked to me for a little while, but just he made sure you weren't actually dying. <laughs> right. Like. But he didn't bring any supplies. And then he's like, listen, you know, you're not going to clearly you're not going to be able to move. You're going to have to, like, sleep on a rock down here. But you should be wary of certain things. And I'm like, like what? He's like, well, there's definitely mountain lions out here. Right. uh, Yeah. And we've had some incidents where uh, some wild dogs have been biting tourists. And in the meantime, as he's saying this, I can literally hear a pack of wild dogs, like, fighting somewhere off in the distance. So I'm like, and it's pitch black. Like, I, I have no flat. These are the dumb things I did. No flashlight, no GPS, knowing that there would be no cell phones, so I couldn't call 911 or anything like that. Uh, I had no, like, walkie to communicate with people. I didn't tell anybody where I was going, and I was by myself. I did have enough water, but I definitely didn't have enough food. I only had, like, two cliff bars, which is not enough for a thing like that. Uh and then I had no warm clothes because I knew I was going down to these falls. I was in a bathing suit and a T-shirt. I didn't pack a sweatshirt. I didn't pack, uh, like, you know, thermals or anything like that. So I'm stuck. And the temperature drops significantly at night. Uh, so we were getting into kind of a crisis situation. And then finally, it was actually other hikers that really helped. Uh, about an hour later, uh, this Asian couple was walking by, uh, with headlamps on and they were hiking to the top and they're like, Hey, we'll see if anybody's up there that can help you. Um, and then when they got to the top, they, they ended up talking to someone who wanted the Havasu and they were like, yeah, we know he's down there. There's nothing we can do. Then like another 30 minutes later, apparently these four German tourists, uh, they were like, I'd say between 25, 22 and 25 four guys they were traveling to see the grand canyon and they were going to go camping at the havasu uh falls the next day so they were just checking in they had just arrived and one of the havasu was like hey if you don't mind do you want to go down and like see if this guy's okay so they came down with supplies they brought me a sleeping bag uh like a thermal one that i could sleep in uh they brought some gatorade they brought some water uh they left me their little uh, lantern light that I actually had light if I needed it. And they brought me a walking stick, not to use for walking, but to use as a weapon in case any wild animals did show up. 
Uh, and then they left and the 16 year old left. And I it was just me sleeping on a rock, uh, not really sleeping, holding vigilant, <laughs> waiting for the edibles to get me. Jeez. Uh, this is how 127 I, hours started, you know? Yeah, pretty much. That is literally, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was scary. I am not embarrassed to say that I was pretty petrified. And, uh, all I could hear was like animals coming from every direction. I tried to like huddle up against the rock and just like calm myself. And every time I did that, I would like get inside the sleeping bag and I'd hear like this, like soft padding bump of like rhythmic of like someone walking towards me. It, it, it sounded like an animal walking towards me, but like in a very like, uh, you know, marching rhythm. And I was like, what is that? And I kept picking up my head to look and I turned the light on and I wouldn't see anything. And I did that like two or three times until finally I realized that it was my heartbeat <laughs> pounding out of my chest because I was so scared, like on top of this rock with, it was a new moon. So there was no light from the sky. It was overcast. The stars weren't even helping me. It was, it was intense. Man, if not for the kindness of strangers, and don't be an idiot, right? That's the, that's the main takeaway from this thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's basically don't be Scott. Be like those other people. Because those other people really didn't have to do what they did. And they were, they were kind and, like, understanding. The, the, I mean, you have to understand, I really couldn't move my legs. Those German guys, like, they picked me up and put me in the sleeping bag. So... They were like, they were totally understanding and were like, yeah, you just bit off more than you can chew. And I'm like, I did. And I know better than this. That was the other part is that, you know, they weren't like, yeah, you're an idiot. They were like, yeah, we understand how that is. Sometimes you just misjudge. And I'm like, yeah, and that's what I did. And so I, the reason I put it on Facebook as detailed as I did was because I wanted people to not do that. And I was actually surprised. A lot of people were like, I'm really glad you posted this because I was about to go to the Grand Canyon. And I, you know, wouldn't probably wouldn't have thought to like make sure someone knew when I was going because I'm hiking it on my own. Well, hey, if you save someone's ass, at least one person, then then that whole experience was worth it because you came out relatively unscathed. So that's a positive, a right. positive in the universe. Right. It only took it only took my legs about three days to recover. So I I call that a win. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> it's like like they yeah. at the gym. Sometimes the lactic acid just builds up for a couple of days, and and you know it's like you did a lot of squats. That's all. Well, no, we're, yeah. we're, we're glad you survived, and I appreciate you being able to tell the story uh, here on the show. Now you've been obviously driving all around the country. You met people. We're in a very interesting time politically in this country, and you're getting to see so many people, so many parts of the country as well. Are you noticing that? Is that is that real? Are you talking to people, locals, you know, at diners, at movie theaters, wherever? What's uh, what's America like? Because you're you're in a very unique position where you know I'm here, a, a coastal East Coast liberal elite uh, in this hotbed. You're out in all, all kinds of places. What's America like right now? Yeah, you know, when I started this trip, I thought I would be having a lot of, like, you know, conversations about the current political climate and the current state of our country and everything else. And it really hasn't happened as much as I thought it would. Uh, people seem to be really kind of like, do we really have to focus on that right now from both sides? Uh, there was one incident that happened to me. Uh, it was in Mississippi. I was in a bar. Uh, 
and I walked in and the bartender started chatting with me and said, where are you from? And I said, New York. And one of the bar patrons who clearly had been there most of the day was a little tipsy. And he's like, oh, you're from New York. So you voted for Clinton. And I was like, well, I'm not going to get into who I voted for, you know, but I'm interested to hear, you know, I turned into a bit of a journalist and was like, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts and everything else. And he sat down next to me and ended up telling me his whole like reasons why we had to believe in the current president and everything else. Uh, So it was interesting to hear, but I haven't really seen the things that a lot of people say they're seeing where they see a lot of hatred and a lot of, you know, uh, you've got to vote for the same person I do kind of thing. It's, it really hasn't come up as much as I thought it would. And people are mostly really nice. I was, I've been like pleasantly surprised at how approachable and like wanting to talk to you people are about the town they live in or places you should see before you go. Uh, and it's not like I'm going up to people being like, hey, I'm traveling the country. Tell me what's going on. Like, what should I see? Like, it, it's much more natural than that. And people are genuinely interested and genuinely like, oh, that's cool. You should check out this and this, or you should visit my brother in this state and that kind of thing. So I've been pleasantly surprised by kind of the demeanor uh, that I did not expect from a lot of the people that I've met on this trip. America is great. It always has been. See, that's it didn't take anything. Right. What, I'm, I'm going to go with, yes, it's always been great. Yeah, there we go. No, I, I found the same thing, too. And uh, for the most part, when I've lived or traveled or road tripped in other parts of the country, it's a curiosity. People want to know where you're from, what your story is, what brings you to where they are. And like you say, they have, they have pride for the most part. Check out my town. Go to this restaurant. This has the best beer in town, whatever. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to hear that you're experiencing the same thing. What, what part of America, whether something physically you've seen or people you've interacted with or experiences you've had, what has surprised you the most in a pleasant way? Like what was something that a place specifically that you were – after you left, you thought, wow, that was a lot better than I expected? The Okefenokee Swamp in Georgia, hands down. Spell that, please. <laughs> it's O-K-E – no, you don't. You F- don't have to. So the Okefenokee no, Swamp. No, now I'm challenged. But it's the Okefenokee Swamp. Yeah, uh, I was. It's a. You know, it's one of the things on this predetermined map because I am stopping at a national landmark in each state, as the map suggests. Uh, and this was the national landmark, and it is legit swampland. But it's thousands of acres of swampland, and you think. Uh, why would I want to see that? And I'm telling you, it was breathtaking. And I was shocked. Like I was, I had no idea it was going to be like that. I took a, a boat ride through the swamp. So I saw some, uh, you know, alligators and there was, uh, you know, it's just like, you got to see wildlife too, but then you can actually like drive through a huge portion of the swamp. And then you, they have these little turnouts. You do the turnout, you park your car, and then they have boardwalks that are like three miles long. You walk to the end of this boardwalk, and you're like in the middle of thousands of acres of swamp, and it's just gorgeous. Because it's not swamp like you think of like, you know, what the swamp thing comes out of in Scooby-Doo Mysteries. 
Right, or I think how people always make fun of the Meadowlands here in Jersey because all it is is swamp, but now you're talking about beautiful swamp. Right, that that is the perfect example, Mike, because that is a swamp, and it's like Jersey swamp, and it smells bad. This was gorgeous. It it really, really was. The... uh, I highly recommend anyone who hasn't gone going to it. The only other thing that probably that I would say definitely go see that really amazed me, uh, but shouldn't shock people because it is listed on that list of 25 greatest things to see in the U S is uh white sands, New Mexico. That was, that was gorgeous. And it, it's literally, I mean, you feel like you're in a star Wars movie, uh, like walking across white deserts. Uh, and I just, I just hiked for a long time. <laughs> I like, I, I kind of got lost in it in the sense of not like actually lost, but lost in the, in the sense of that I'm surrounded by all these like really beautiful sand dunes. And it was all very, it wasn't harsh sand. Like you get on the Jersey shore sometimes. Uh, it was just very like fine sand and beautiful to look at. It was really, really cool. I'm going to flip the coin on you now. What has disappointed you the most, like negatively surprised you? Maybe you thought high hopes and then you left. I'm like, ah, that was lame. Well, I mean, the Grand Canyon. <laughs> Personal near-death experience aside, because I visited the Grand Canyon, yeah. and that place is freaking amazing. So Yeah, no, it was, it, it was gorgeous. Uh, so was Horseshoe Bend, which is only like two hours away from there. That was really cool, too. Uh Man, a place that I didn't like. I don't think that's happened. Oh, you know what? It has. So there was one place that I was kind of disappointed to buy, and it was my first stop. It was in Jersey, the landmark that was on the map. Cause my my childhood like, home? You didn't enjoy it? Your childhood home is uh, Cape May Courthouse? Oh, no, not quite. I thought that's where you were going with the story. So Cape May Courthouse, that's what, uh, what let you down? Yeah, that was the national landmark that is on the map. And at the time, it was my first stop. So I'm like, I'm definitely going to go to the very specific national landmarks they tell me to go to. Uh, And it was just like, it was a row of houses. There wasn't a whole lot of, like, history to read there and everything else. So I was kind of bummed about that stop. But I went to the beach and, you know, kind of like you did, put my toe in the water kind of thing. So that was, I like, I made the best of it. But uh, I was like, man, I guess it can only go up from here. Yeah, at least it was number one. You're right. It can only be better. Well, and I've been – I mean, I grew up in Jersey. So I've been to every single part of that state. Uh, So it also wasn't like I expected to see some, like, awesome thing. You know what I mean? Right. But like you said, beginning of the trip. So you were warming yourself up for the rest of the – or the 47 other states that you still had to go. Um, all right, Scott, we're going to get to the last couple of segments of the show here, but, uh, real quick, what are you most looking forward to seeing the rest of your trip? You still have a whole country to come back across. Is there one thing that has you super stoked to still do? Besides the friends that I'm going to see, uh, I, there's a couple things. One, I know it's corny, but I want to see Mount Rushmore. Uh, that's going to be cool. There's also, I was actually born in Chicago, but my parents moved right after I was born. So I've actually never been there. Uh, so I'm kind of really looking forward to that, as corny as that sounds, because uh, 
it's not like there's you're going to see these like epic landscapes in Chicago. Uh, but I'm just kind of digging the fact that I'll be able to go back to the city where I was born that I don't even remember. Yeah, and um, it's still a so, great city, and yeah, it's your origin story. Right, and I and I know people there, uh, so I'll be excited to see them. Uh, and then lastly, there's actually a, a farm. It's kind of a tangent story, so I won't go too deep into it, but there's a farm that's owned by one of my ancestors who was the the grandson, I think, of my ancestor who fought in the Revolutionary War, and the farm still stands. So I'm going to swing by that. I have a friend who's an author who's writing like a book about my family history and this person who fought in the Revolutionary War, and she was the one who told me about this farmhouse. So I'm kind of excited to see, again, like you said, it's like origin story. That's like my family's origin story, you know? Awesome. Well, I hope you enjoy it. It sounds like a lot of fun stuff you still have on deck coming up, and you've already done such great stuff already, so that's awesome to hear. All right, time to wrap up the show, head to the home stretch, and we do that with two segments, Turn the Tables and the Fun Five. Turn the Tables, I let the guest ask me a question. So, Scott, if you have anything uh, burning in your mind that you want to know about me or ask me, now's your chance. Fire away. Mike, I feel like I already know everything about you. You don't have to. This is, a, this is an optional segment, so you don't have to take it. That, well, I just, I didn't even, I think you must have cut this out of other podcasts because I don't, I don't even remember other people asking you questions. Uh, it's something I started once I brought the podcast back earlier this year. So once I left the Padres and I brought this back, I figured it's time to spice up the format a little bit. And so I've done it uh, at the end of, of the show since then. Obviously, you're just not listening oh. closely enough. That's what I take away from that. You're, you're probably right. I've got a good question for you, though. Okay. Out of your the, this trip that you just took, uh, similar question to what you asked me. What, what was the thing that kind of, like, surprised you how cool it was? Like, you didn't expect to be like, like I said about the Okefenokee Swamp. Uh, for sure. It was uh, probably Horseshoe Bend, which you've mentioned yourself. Um, and I, I went there... And it's the kind of thing where it's almost like the St. Louis Arch, which you can get right up close to in touch. And Like the Empire State Building is tall, right? Or One World Trade is tall. But there's so much other stuff around it that it kind of loses the scale. I always thought that the St. Louis Arch isn't that tall, but you can go right up to it and it's in a giant open field. That really makes you feel small because it gives you the scale. Similarly, Horseshoe Bend... Like You just walk up there and there's nothing else around and you're looking at these little boats or kayaks down on the river and people on the other side of the bend taking photos. And unlike the Grand Canyon, which is kind of endless when you're there, Horseshoe Bend is very a specific place. And once I got there, I didn't want to leave. Like I, I, and I hate people when they put just scenery pictures up online because it never does it justice to the, to the person being there. But I just right. wanted to take like 100 pictures because I felt like, what else can you do? How long can I sit here and appreciate this before I got to get back in the car? And I knew it was going to be great, and I saw the pictures online before I went there, so I knew what I was looking for and still took my breath away. So that was definitely uh, top of the list for me, I think, natural beauty-wise. I think it's really surprising, too, which isn't as much in the Grand Canyon, like because the Grand Canyon has all these like rails and stuff, is that, I mean – you can just fall right off. That you can jump. Yeah. That, that's yeah. your end. If you're not careful, it's crazy. Yeah. Like for real, like it is just, there is no railing, no anything. It's just like, Oh yeah. 
that's the cliff right there. And it's free. Like, you just drive up, you park, you yep. walk up, and you can, yeah, you can just hurdle and hundreds of feet. How, how small was that sign? Like, I almost drove right by it. Like, it's just this tiny little brown sign that says yeah. Horseshoe Bend and an arrow. There's no, like, hey, everybody, one of the most beautiful things you'll ever see is right here. Like, right. there's nothing like that. Where's the Vegas just, neon lights? Luckily, when I was there, there was a whole line of cars pulling into it, like, at the end of Field of Dreams. So I figured that's got to be <laughs> the place. But otherwise, you're right. The marketing department there. But, again, it's free. So I guess they don't have a PR budget to really blow out the welcome sign. All yeah, right. it, was, it was really cool. I, I agree with you, too. Let me tell one more thing. I agree with you, too, like, wanting to stay there. So what I did was I had a little leftover uh, – legal weed from uh colorado so i was up there smoking a J while i was dangling my feet off the edge of the cliff at horseshoe bend it was like smart yeah i didn't have anything like that but it sounds like you did it right (laughs) yeah it was it was it was pretty awesome and pretty uh it definitely enhanced the experience a little bit Uh, i can only imagine uh stop making me jealous because i'm now in a jersey city condo and it's raining today and I, i can't do any fun stuff like that all right let's get to the last segment it's the fun five Five quick, fun questions designed for you and you alone, Scott. You're a huge movie buff, maybe the biggest one I know. Question number one, I'm assuming you've popped into some theaters at some point in your trip. What's the best movie you've seen since you've left? Uh, the best movie I've seen since I've left? Wow. I actually have not gone to a movie theater on this entire trip. No shit, really? Uh, yeah, because I don't want to... Uh, I. I been very focused on making it like an outdoor thing Mm. uh and kind of not like i could if i wanted to see movies i could have just done that back in new york uh at a much higher rate than i would pay out here but um i do like sometimes like watch movies you know at the hotel or something like that before i go to bed uh the most interesting one i've seen recently the that came out is called uh the handmaiden which is a south korean movie so it's got subtitles and everything else and it has been called by many uh lesbian porn uh but it is actually an incredibly interesting tale and i can't encourage people enough to watch it it was actually incredibly good and done by the same writer director as old boy for anyone who saw that south korean movie about what was that eight years ago i have no idea (laughs) well Mike, you should see both of those movies because Old Boy is really good. Don't watch the remake; watch the original. It'll be uh, it'll be after I go see Baywatch. Uh, now that it's out in theaters, so that's I got my priorities straight. Okay. You should be really jealous because uh, uh, for those who don't know, Mike and I also work together on a thing for Fandango, uh, and I saw those guys when I was out in L.A. and uh, they gave me a ticket voucher so i was going to go see baywatch for free on their ticket voucher once it came out oh you should it's the it's the rock and zach efron it's 90 minutes of just me it's like personally marketed from mike janela um all right question number two if you haven't been able to go to movies and you should do a drive-in or something so that way you're outdoors and whatever somewhere out in america because we don't have right right uh question number two if you haven't done movies i'm sure you've had a beer or two along the way is that a fair assumption uh, I have. Okay, so what's the best local beer you've had if you've sampled the local wares across the country? What's the best brew you've had? Oh, there was uh and I'm going to forget the name of it, but it was in, oh, I want to say, was it in Georgia? There was a beer was that it I o- it was Oka in Georgia. Ale? 
again, it was not the Okafenoki Ale. The best thing I've eaten was at Okafenoki, or the most interesting, and that was uh, I ate uh, Gator, which was really good. Um, but the for the beer, I can't. It was a Pilsner, and it was a local Pilsner in Georgia, uh, right before I crossed into Florida. And I'm really, really sorry, but I don't remember the name. But it was at like a local bar, and I pulled in, and they were like, "What do you want?" And I'm like, "You tell me." And he was like, "Listen, it's a local, but trust me, it's really good." And he was really right because I loved it. That's the best move when you're on a trip like this. Uh, question number three: How many dating app meetups have you had on the road? Not one. Not one. I have not done uh, any of that type of stuff since uh any dating app stuff since i've been out here because i figured you know it's not really if i'm if i'm anywhere i'm usually only that in that place for a night maybe two nights so if there was ever anything that telegraphed one night stand it would be that so i figured just make your bio you know in town need a tour guide or something like that there's ways to do it just saying uh, okay, I'm going to follow the Mike Janela dating app advice and try that for the rest of the trip, and I'll update you on the way back. Please do. I'm excited. We can have a follow-up podcast that's just about uh, your Tinder tales from the road. Uh, question number four, <laughs> uh, we've alluded to your career as a producer, an exec producer, content creator. You've been on camera as talent, a whole bunch of different stuff. You've had the chance to meet a lot of cool celebrities along the way. And so, uh, you know, big picture away from just this trip – Who's your favorite celeb that you've ever met? Because I know the list is long and distinguished, so who's wow. the top of that list? you got to prep me for a question like that. No, uh, prep is no good. I want spontaneity. I want raw here on the show. <laughs> uh, probably the best, or I guess or the one of, can I say one of sure. the best, was uh, Denzel. Uh, he and I had a really good conversation. We know... I know his cousin who works, who used to work with me in Philly. Uh, so we talked about that. And when he came out of, I was sitting in the chair to do the interview for man on fire before uh, he was, cause he had a quick break in between the last reporter and me for a movie junket. He had apparently gone to the bathroom. And so when he came out, he like apologized for keeping me waiting and shook my hand and his hand was still wet. And I'm like, uh, and he's like, no, 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 I swear it's water. I swear it's water. And I'm like, listen, man, I appreciate that you're an Oscar winner, but I draw the line. And he's like, so we started laughing about that. Like, you know, uh, and he was really cool about it. And we joked around for a long time. So I would say Denzel is definitely one of the, the better interviews that I've had and really enjoyed meeting him. He was a really cool guy about it. It's great. Denzel, he's the man. You just know him by Denzel. That's all you need to know. Last question. Right. Question number five for you, Scott. Uh, is Derek Jeter the most overrated shortstop of all time? Absolutely not. Who? How could you ask me that question? Derek Jeter. <laughs> Derek Jeter is the Mickey fucking mantle of our lifetime. How could you ask me that question? You son of a bitch. Just had his I'm number retired. Uh, his beautiful pregnant wife. He's buying a part of the Marlins. But you know what? Was he that good? Dude, go back. Seriously, the, one of my favorite. Uh, there was this whole article that I read, and it was by – it was in the Boston globe and it was this guy who's like, I think we all need to just check, put our hatred in check for one day while he gets his number retired and understand that he deserved this. Like 
if you there is no one who fought as hard for the Yankees as this guy fought. And he was he was so clutch. Think of every single time that they needed a great play. Who's the person that came forward with that great play? The dive, the flip, the 3,000th home run. Like, who is this guy? And, oh, and his last at bat was a walk-off single. Like, this, every time this guy needed to perform, it was like where everyone else would be nervous and choke, he overperformed and delivered in a way that made you feel like you were living in the time of Mantle and Mara. was your uh, your phone signal is starting to drop off, and I think it's because the hot fire you're spitting through the mic is just literally burning down the Verizon tower nearest you. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I can't believe you asked me that question. You no, I love Jeter. You didn't even mention Mr. November, which is uh, you know that home run he hit was uh, seminal in 2001. I'm a fan. Just I was just trying to stir the drink here, Scott. That's all. But I'm with you. Derek deserves all the platitudes he's gotten. Um, all right, Scott, I'm going to let you go because you've got stuff to do in a country to see, and I have a, a Netflix binge to get back to. Uh, tell people where they can find all the stuff you're putting out because you're sharing a lot of cool videos and a lot of great observations along the road. So if they want to follow you, where can you do that? Yeah, so uh, really the best place to follow me is on my Instagram, which is at InstaSilentK, so I-N-S-T-A and then S-I-L-E-N-T-K, uh, which is kind of my nickname and also the license plate on my jeep uh but that's the best place to find me uh it's kind of i haven't posted in a while because i like i said i got stuck in la for two weeks so i wasn't seeing very cool things but uh, i just went to crater lake the other day and we'll be seeing some more cool stuff so you can expect uh lots more very cool pictures and videos uh now that i'm back on the road and on my way back Sounds good. So, again, look forward to that. And uh, best of luck. Hopefully no more near-death experiences along the way. No mountain lions to worry about. And I wish you the best and safe travels and Godspeed, my man. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I'll uh, definitely hit you up when I get back to New York so I can tell you all about it. I will be here. I'll buy you an Okafenoki Ale, and we'll, uh, we'll chat about it over that. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Thanks for uh, having me on. Pleasure's mine. Stick around. We'll, uh, we'll wrap up here off the air. But for you guys, thanks for listening this week once again. Make sure to visit MikeJanella.com for all previous episodes of the show. Plus, you can find links. I got Scott's Instagram link there in case you missed it. And where to find me on social media, too. But thank you most importantly for listening. Make sure to check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, all the places you can find. Podcast, rate, review, subscribe. Do all those amazing things. I'd love you for it. Scott Knowlton, one more time. Thanks again, man. Yeah, thank you, brother. And thanks to you guys for listening. We'll try and do better next time. See ya!